Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Holly Ann. Welcome to the show, Holly Ann. Um, thank, thank you for coming on. We had such a great conversation last time. We've had such a great preliminary conversation. Now we've had some glitches with our Zoom. We've <laughs> dialed in and dialed out and changed devices, but now we're good right. to go. So thank you for, thank you for sticking with us and, and for the patience. Here. Yes, it's an honor to be here for sure. I appreciate you having me and um, I look forward to our continued conversation. Continued conversation, yeah. So could you introduce uh, yourself to the listeners, please, Holly Ann? Absolutely. So um, I'm Holly Ann and my husband, John, and I have nine kiddos and six of them are adopted. So I will be talking to you today about unpacking um, our baggage as adoptive parents. So a lot of what I'm talking about, obviously, comes from myself being an adoptive parent and the baggage I have had to unpack along my journey of 20 years as an adoptive parent. Um, so we have six of our kids are adopted. We have been parents for 21 years and um, that our oldest child is 26. So when you do the math, it doesn't quite add up because she was 15 when we adopted her. So I said I would never foster and I would never adopt a teenager. Um, I don't say that anymore I just say please don't make me because um, I did both so we've adopted internationally we have adopted um, domestically a domestic infant adoption we have fostered to adopt um, and then we fostered and a baby was reunified so we've kind of been on just about every journey you could in the in the adoption world so um, we have lots of experiences that we draw from um, and then also an adoption professional. My husband and I opened an adoption agency in um, 2005 when one of the twins we were in the process of adopting contracted cholera and passed away. And um, we had named her Addie. And um, I had no idea what cholera was. I was in my late 20s, kind of an um, ignorant in the truest form of the word young person. And I looked up cholera and found out she needed an antibiotic and an IV and just kind of got angry, honestly. And um, it's just what God called, used to call us to um, open the agency and Addie's Hope was formed. And so we've been um, placing kiddos first internationally out of Liberia and then through some experiences, closed that program down. And now we place kids in Texas and um, mostly from the CPS um, system into adoptive families. And so some of what I'm gonna talk about today is yeah, it's my experience, but it's also um, confirmed and reaffirmed through what I watch as I walk other people through this adoption journey. And I know it's not just my experience, but I see it a lot in the families I work with as well. Yeah. Well, I do say this before. I've said this before on the podcast that we only have people with huge hearts on this show. And, <laughs> and it's true. You know, I have to keep on saying it. Um, nine kids six adopted out of Liberia. I mean, we were talking about, you know, our, our, our the way that some of our um, perspective has, has shifted. So we've, I've been to um, Africa a lot on holiday and I've realised how much, well, how wrong I had some stuff wrong. I, how wrong I had some stuff in my head. You know, I've had big insights, big, huge epiphany shifts in terms of what life is really about at, at its very core and how some of my kind of inherited inherited Western kind of Western beliefs were to totally wrong. Um, 
so one on one occasion uh this was 20 years ago my best friend had died and we had to come back from the gambia in west africa uh, for his funeral and i just heard the news on holiday that that he died in a car crash and i was very upset at that night at dinner and my um the waiter said what's what's wrong and i said well told her about the a friend and the guy said may his soul rest in peace and, and i thought that's a really lovely thing to say and the following morning i told the the british travel rep that i needed to go home and need to change the flights and her first reaction was well you'll need to pay for for the change of the flights and i think that that the the counterpoint between those two things really rocked my world um uh, changed my world really in terms of how how wrong i realized that i had stuff you know judging stuff so and i know you can you share some of the stories yeah sure. <clears throat> yeah i think we you know um just same experiences as i as i worked over there and um we we worked in liberia for five years and we didn't live there but i would go three to four times a year and stay three to four weeks and just, um, you know, when, when there's people who don't know where their next meal is coming from, they live a little different than we do <clears throat> in our Western culture where, you know, our biggest um, concern is maybe which outfit we're going to put on and we try three or four on before we decide. Um, and so it was, it was a, it was a huge, I learned so much about faith, about life, about, you know, my priorities. And, you know, I was telling you the story of how I use the analogy a lot that, um, you know, we'll be talking about food or, something especially my kids there's nothing to eat and I'm like oh my gosh um look in the cabinets you know because we ate hamburger meat that which was a delicacy right like we had bought that to just share with the kids something we made spaghetti because they never had spaghetti and so I had bought hamburger meat but they had something else planned and they weren't going to waste their food so this the hamburger meat set in a cool river for four days before we ate it and um you know luckily I did not die of any um diseases or you know infestations of the hamburger meat but when I say that to Americans they are mortified because we have a choice to throw meat away to throw food away they don't have that choice and so they're either going to die of starvation or they're going to die of you know whatever is infested in their food and so I just think we lose sight of of what we have um, in our life and it, it it changes when you go over and experience that just like you said it, it changes um, your perspective on things a lot um, I don't go anymore because we don't have the orphanage over there and I'm kept very busy with my work in Texas, but um, I, I miss that. I miss the, um, I miss the reality checks of, um, of that culture and loved the people um, of Liberia and Sierra Leone. I was just in Liberia way more and loved the people and their hearts and, and, yeah. their, and their way of life, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so this, you, people might be thinking, What's this got to do with anything? The reason, I guess the reason that I uh, shared that story and, and talked about that stuff is, for, is because for me, perspective is everything. Mm, so true. Perspective, when I, it's like you can't kind of go out and look, I, well, I, don't, I don't think so. You, can, you can't kind of go out and try and get a, pers a perspective shift. Perspective shifts come to us. Um, right. Uh, That's good. 
we can we can hang out at a bus stop waiting for perspective so that perspective changes you know um uh, we can hang out at the bus stop and that's what people are doing on this podcast they're hanging out for a perspective shift they're looking for something something new uh right. and, and they're in the right they're in the right place for that um but they do yeah. they come to us and there's there's kind of like so there's no such thing as secondhand uh perspective shift or a secondhand epiphany or secondhand insight we have to have them for ourselves but i see the job of the of the my job as a podcast host uh, is to help our audience our listeners to perspective shifts by sharing what we have learned and what the guests have, have learned on their journey and clearly you've had a an amazing journey with nine nine kids yeah. six, six adopted kids so um, let's let's get into this um, unpack and and also uh, before I do that you you are the, f- the first guest that's come on with the title for their podcast already uh, and so that's <laughs> it makes I'm, I'm not I don't think of myself as a lazy guy um, but I must admit that it's a delight you know so uh, un unpacking our baggage as adoptive parents that's the that's the title that you came up with um, you're, you're welcome to you're welcome to retitle it if at the end you're like that's a really crazy title but you know that's just how I operate so I work from the title down but that that's right. what I came up with so <laughs> I am sticking with that Holly okay awesome so, yeah, so why did you before you get into before you get into the what tell us why did you come up with that title you got an idea yeah I think because um I think we talk so much about our the baggage that our kids come with, right? Like we talk a lot about that with trauma and attachment and, you know, your kids come with baggage. I know we train our parents about that, like, right? Like your kids are coming with all this baggage and um, we, we think about it in the physical sense that when, because we place a lot of kids from the foster care system. So they're literally coming with their literal baggage. They've got their sacks, they've got their boxes, they've got their suitcases, whatever they're coming with, but then they have their invisible ones. And we talk about that a lot in training that you've got to see the why behind their behaviors. You've got to, that's their baggage. But what we also have to understand is we as adoptive parents have our own baggage. And if we're only focused on the child's baggage, then we're never going to bring them to healing. And that's honestly how a lot of our adoptions disrupt and kids end up returning back to the system. Or we have adult adoptees that grow up resenting their parents because, um, you know, maybe the parents didn't deal with their baggage. So they weren't able to connect with their child as they were adopted because of unmet expectations or whatever. I mean, all the things we're going to talk about today. And if we don't unpack our baggage, as adults, um, and, and it's true of everybody, like you and I've had this conversation, right? That adoption gets blamed for so much that really is true of everybody. It just gets blamed for it. So honestly, what we're going to talk, what I'm going to say today can apply to, to almost anything. We're just going to talk about how adoption magnifies it in families sometimes, but you could kind of, you could apply it to any family in any parent-child relationship in all honesty. Yeah. Um. I've got one thing that popped into my head as you you said that, um, which is that if if we focus on our kids' baggage, what we focus on gets bigger, doesn't it? What what we focus on gets bigger. You know, you know, like we we're um, we seem to be hardwired 
as as human beings to look for what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So accountants look for what's wrong. They're, they're, they're auditing some figures. They're looking for what's wrong in the figures. Yeah. Lawyers looking for what's wrong in the contract. A, 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 you know, a, a publisher or an editor is looking for what's wrong in in the text that they're reading, that proofreading. Yeah. And so we kind of been, we're always looking for what's wrong. The newspaper headlines are never, they're never about what's going right, are they? Well, not never, but, you know, very occasionally. Rarely. Rarely. Yeah. That's the right word. They're rarely about, it's normally about what's going wrong. And if, and if we focus on what's wrong, like if we focus on trauma, if we just, we, we need to, clearly we need to understand trauma that, I'm not going to say that at all. But if we focus, if we focus on the darkness, no amount of focusing on the darkness is going to lead us into the light, is it? Right. No, and I and I have a really awesome. Um, it, again, talking about Africa, only this time it was somebody from Africa and America. Somebody told me this story. I don't know. It's been a couple of years ago, and I, it was an epiphany for me. And honestly, um, it goes along with what we're talking about today, but because just with what you're saying, they were, he was asking a parent, he's like, why do you in America pay for tutors in the areas where your kids struggle? Why do you pay for coaches in the areas where your kids don't succeed? Why do y'all focus on their weaknesses to make them stronger? We don't have money to do that. We have to find where our kids are strong and then we pay people to make them stronger in that area. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what, what a great idea. So kind of what you're talking about, why do we always focus on the bad? Why are we not honing in on the good and drawing that up rather than yeah. thinking what the bad is? So yeah, you're I, right. We're kind of hardwired that way. For we're hardwired that way. And um, I'm going to say something just really, a really flip comment that is, in my opinion, to- totally true. Okay. And then we'll get into the baggage stuff. Kids are not their trauma. Oh, absolutely agree with you. So um, unpacking our package as adoptive parents, I love it. And I love, I love your explanation of why. And I'm glad, I'm glad that I asked the one. Um, so what would you like to share about that? All right. So... Like I said, I think you can apply this to anybody, right? So all of us as adults come into our marriages, our parenting with baggage. It's just the facts of the matter. Whether you grew up in the most amazing home with the most connected parents, your biological, your adopted, whatever, we all, we live in a world that is made of humans. So we all have some baggage. I think for adoptive parents though, sometimes our baggage um, might be just a little bit, we might just have a little bigger suitcase as we go on our journey with adoption. Um, mainly because when we bring kids into our family that weren't in our family to begin with, we're dealing with some unfamiliar, um, I say demons, you might say personalities, whatever you want to call it. And so it just feels like the suitcase is a little bigger sometimes to unpack, but it can be applied anyways. And I think, so when I adopted for the first time, I will never forget my precious baby boy He was two days old. He was 12 hours old the first time I got to hold him. And I remember thinking, literally thinking, I cannot wait until he's a week old because that's a week longer that he's mine and he's away from adoption. 
like in my mind, of course, you have to remember there was no training. There was no anything on adoption back then. You know, you still had to prove in Texas, you still had to prove infertility to adopt through an agency. So, and we weren't infertile. We were just adopting because we felt called to do so. So I can just remember thinking, I will love the adoption out of him. Like it truly, and it sounds crazy now, but it never crossed my mind that he would be adopted his whole life. That that would be part of his story. Like in my mind, he was mine and that would be enough. Like I would love him as mine. I hadn't, I had a biological daughter that was 18 months old. And to me, there was no difference between the two of them. And there truly wasn't. I loved him as if I had given birth to him. I connected him. I'm like, he was mine. And so um, he was, you know, probably five or six, the first time it dawned on me, wow, being adopted affects him. And because that affects him, it affects me because he had feelings about being adopted. It meant he had feelings about me being his mom and those feelings about me being his mom affected me. And, and I had to deal with those. And they had nothing to do with whether or not I'd been a good mom because I loved him like he was mine. There was no, you know, you're adopted. I'm not sure I can love you. It's like, there was none of that with him, but he felt different because of his own feelings about being adopted. And so that was the first time I realized, oh my gosh, there's some baggage here, but nobody was talking about it. And so I didn't understand any of it. So that was kind of the first time I realized there was baggage. And I think as a professional, what I see is we have adoptive parents. And I think this was probably our viewpoint too. Even, even as foster parents, maybe when we became foster parents, you think I'm bringing these broken kids into my perfect family. And that's the viewpoint that we take. Um, and I don't think anybody would ever say that out loud because that sounds really arrogant and haughty, right? But really that's kind of what we're thinking like we're going to take these kids from this situation this poor situation and we're going to put them into these amazing families and we're going to love them and protect them and guide them and it's all going to be okay and the reality is we're taking these kids from a hard place and we're putting them into very imperfect families because we're all human the very best family is imperfect and so when you put those two together they don't always mesh real well there's some collision there as we join them. And because of that, it's going to create some conflict and it's going to create some triggers in parents they didn't know they had. And those are the things that I see as our baggage as adoptive parents that's our responsibility to deal with so that then we can help heal our parents and our, our kids and what they're bringing with them as well. Um, so um This sounds like it was, these, these uh, sound to me like lessons that were really hard for you. Yes, <laughs> they are. And I, I'll be real honest, when we get to the end, um, I was, I've been unpacking some, I've been unpacking some baggage just this past, um, past week. My uh, youngest daughter turned nine um, last Sunday. And um, I, I, I had to unpack some baggage on her birthday that um didn't even really realize and uh it was you know it was a, it was one of those times that it her birthday triggered something and it was a realization and I, and I had two choices 
shove it back in the suitcase or take it out and deal with it. Um, and I think that's, that's what as adoptive parents we have to do. I think, I think along the adoption journey, there will always be things that, that um, our adoption journey reveals in us. And we have two choices every time that happens, shove it back in the suitcase or unpack it and deal with it. And the success of our adoption, the healing of our children depends on whether we're willing to take it out and deal with it and unpack it or whether we're gonna shove it back in the suitcase and, and keep going on as if it's not there. So, and it doesn't, have any, it doesn't have to have anything to do with the kid. I think that's the important part to bring out too. Like this is the stuff we brought with us. This isn't the stuff that the kid brought with them, right? This is the stuff we brought with us. This is what we're carrying because of our feelings about our mom that we didn't know or our dad that we didn't know. And it's not big, huge things. It's just things we carry as humans, emotions, hurts, the way we process things. It doesn't have to be huge issues. Um, it's just little things that change how we interact as humans because they affect us. And to pretend like they don't affect us then puts a wedge in our relationships with our family, with our children, with our spouse, with our friends, whoever. Um, the thing about our children is, you know, if a friend wounds us because it brings up a hurt or, or whatever, we have an option to walk away from them. With our children, as minors in our home, we shouldn't have an option to just walk away from them because they bring up something that's painful. Unfortunately, you know, sometimes it happens, but we should want to deal with our baggage and continue on that journey with them, even if it's painful for us. So, yeah, it's, I've had some baggage I've had to deal with. So it's going it, to, you're going to get some raw stuff. Yeah. So, don't tell me, tell um, us more. Okay. So, um, so I think the first thing that, that I had to, um, unpack was my success as a parent is not totally defined by my children's outcomes, whether they're a success or not. And it's certainly not defined by the opinions of others. And again, I think this can apply to biological and adoptive parents, right? Because all of our kids get to choose for themselves their path and their journey. So there's plenty of biological children whose parents can sit here and say, my child is not on the path that I had hoped for them, um, whatever. But I think as adoptive parents, um, so for ours, you know, we adopted a 15-year-old and there were some things that happened um, within the first two years of her living with us that... Um, she got pregnant within the first year of living with us. Obviously she wasn't married. She was 15 years old. And so I grew up in a very legalistic Christian home. That is not something you do. That is not okay. Um, so I had to make a decision. Does that mean I'm a horrible mom because my teenage daughter's pregnant? Or does it mean I have brought a child in who wasn't raised that way, who is still trying to find her way in life? And we're going to continue to walk with her and try to continue to pour into her. And so I have to figure out. So I had to unpack that bag. Do I continue to, do I treat her with the baggage that I have? Or do I unpack that and figure out what she needs right now in order to 
walk her journey out in a healthy way. And if I'm going to, if I'm going to sit in my baggage of her being pregnant makes me look like a bad mom, I'm not going to be able to meet her need of being there for her as a teen mom. And so there's, I could sit here for probably all day, 24 hours and tell you stories like that on our parenting journey. We've had a couple of kids with severe mental health issues. So behaviors at school. Um, We went to a concert one time and um, one of our children had a fight, flight or freeze meltdown and like the police came over. We've had cops at our house more times than I can tell you. Um, That's not something that growing up would ever happen at my house right? That's just not something that would happen. But because my children are faced with things that were not their fault, you know, um, but they're having to deal with them because of choices outside of their own. Now I'm having to deal with them because of choices outside of my own. Um, I have to make a decision to not put shame or guilt on them might have been put on me if I had acted that way. Wow. So again, unpacking that bag. I have to respond differently than what my bag that I brought into parenting would have had me respond to that behavior. And knowing my neighbors are driving by while the sheriff's cop is in my front yard. Okay, is that embarrassing? The first couple of times it was after that, I was like, think what you want. I've just got to love my kids and deal with this. So if you, if (laughs) you're going to judge me for it, judge me. If you want to know what's coming, if you want to know what's happening, come knock on my door and I'll be happy to share with you what's going on. Um, But again, that was a bag I had to unpack. I'm not going to be embarrassed by, by doing what I have to do to get help for my kids. Because that's, what's more important. Getting help for my kids is more important than saving the image of me as myself as a parent. Um, so that was probably one of the biggest ones I had to unpack early on was letting that die to, um, what my kids needed. Yeah. So incredibly courageous here. Well, do you think this is courageous or do you just see this is, this is just what you do? Um, I think it's just, (laughs) I would not have said it was. Yeah, no, I think it's just what you do if you step into this role. I mean, I do think it's, I think adoptive parents are courageous people. I do. I have a hard time saying that about myself, but I can say that about the adoptive parent over here. Can I I say it for you then? Okay, you can say it for me. (laughs) Uh, Holiana, I I think you're really courageous. Um, I know how how that feels because people, sometimes people, I, people give me that, um, People said to me, oh, you, you know, you're really courageous sharing your story. And I said, no, this is just what I do. Yeah. This is, this is who I am, you know. And uh, I think that um, we're, we're not really good as, uh, as, as humans at accepting compliments. I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think I we're very good at that. And I've got, uh, I'm, I'm going to, tell you a, a silly story about that um, because I, I often think it's in, it's interesting to it's easier to share stories that are silly with um, about trivial things to, to kind of indicate big stuff so 
this is about, I don't know, eight years ago, we're on holiday and we'd been, we'd met some people at, at, at the restaurant cafe by the swimming pool at lunchtime and we'd been talking to them. And then in the evening we bumped into them again. And I said, uh, I said, that's, that's a that's a lovely top you've got on there. I think she was called Sarah. So I said that 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 top's uh-huh. lovely, Sarah. I really like that top. Um, um, it was like a peachy coloured top. I said I just love it. I love that colour. And she looked at me like I was absolutely mad. Okay, <laughs> and I, I realised that she thought I was mad. I said I said no no really no I love it. And she said, Are you taking the Mickey? taking the mickey i said no i'm not taking the mickey at all like i had this shirt i had a shirt that the same color as that a polo shirt same color as that 25 years ago it was the first thing i bought from the store and i really liked it and i don't know where it's gone only but i really like that color uh-huh. and, and she still couldn't like even as like i was using all the logic that i could and and on the story the backstory to why i love the, this top that she uh-huh. had but there was no way she was gonna accept that compliment and 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 wow. we and we're not you know we 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 are self criticism uh, if it was olympic sport you know if if self criticism right. was an olympic sport We'd all have gold medals. We'd we'd all have gold medals. You know. Agreed. Uh, but it it do we do we want our kids to accept compliments? We do. So yep. should we kind of get better accepting them ourselves? Do we want to yep. be the do we want to be the change that we want to see in the world? That was something from Gandhi or something like that. We we need to model. <laughs> we need to model our kids' behaviour. We need to model the kids. We need to model what we want from our kids. And You're accepting right. compliments would be a, a, a great little place to to start. You are exactly right for sure. Well, thank you very much, and I will definitely accept your compliment. But I do. It is definitely um, adoptive parenting is a courageous work, and um, it is, and it's a big work, and it's a lifelong work, and um, it doesn't stop. Yeah. So, so um, what else have is, you got? Um, what what other? And just before that, I, I'm assuming that we didn't kind of get what's that? What's the penalty when you have to pay? You, you know, you've got your 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 baggage allowance is forty pounds. Um, and you've got fifty pounds. What do they call that? Yeah, the baggage fee, luggage fee, a- excess, over- a- excess baggage, excessive fee. baggage fee. Excess, there you go. Fee, yeah. So what? What else have you got? What have you? What else have you got in, yeah. in, in the baggage that you'd like to unpack? Um, yeah, I think the other baggage that we have to unpack pretty quickly is expectations, um, and I think that goes from you know, when they're first placed with you, of, of them, um, I think I see this, especially in my, my professional work, that there's this expectation of gratitude, right? Like, I love you. And so you should be thankful that I've taken you into my home and I've given you this room and it's decorated. And, um, and so you should just be thankful that you have this. Um, you know, it's just not the case because for one, every adult in their life has abandoned them. So why are they going to be grateful that for you, they're just waiting for you to do the same thing. So no, they're not grateful. Um, 
And so you, you've got to really make sure you're not, you don't have that expectation. Um, vacations. We have not gone on a family vacation in almost four years because my kids can't handle it. There's sensory issues. There's um, mental health issues. You know, I have to stay off Facebook sometimes because I see everybody going on their um, vacations with their families and my kids just can't handle that. I grew up in a family. We went in state one summer and out of state the next summer. I've been in almost every 50 states in the United States and almost all that happened when I was a child. And that was what I dreamed of for my kids. And so I had to let that die. I had to um, understand that that wasn't necessarily what would make my kids' childhood perfect was these amazing grand family vacations because in fact, they traumatized my kids and, and they, they couldn't handle them. And holidays, the same thing. Um, I grew up still Christmas is absolutely a magical time for me. It is, it's full of traditions. It's full of these amazing feelings and emotions. Um, and that came from my childhood. My mom had, I mean, she made it just magical and I wanted that for my kids and it took, um, well, lots of training and understanding of sensory and emotions and overload for me to understand. I had one kid that sabotaged every holiday we ever had. And I was angry until I realized he's not doing it on purpose. He's doing it because he can't handle all this stuff that I'm throwing at him. And so then once I understood that, I had to give him permission to leave the, wherever we were, he had permission to go to his room and missed out. That killed my heart because in my, my suitcase of holiday pictures, we're a sweet, happy family getting all of this experience together. I had to unpack that and let that die because he couldn't handle that. So once he became overstimulated, he had to have permission to leave that dream and go to his room so he could be okay. If I hadn't dealt with that and unpacked that, I would have tortured him every single Christmas of his entire life, trying to make my dream his dream that was actually a nightmare for him. So, you know, just little things like that and um, cute clothes, you know, every mom wants to dress her little girl in all the cute little outfits with the appliques, the big bows, the headbands. And, um, you know, my, my first biological, well, my first daughter, our first child that we is 21 now, she was a girl. So she had the big O bows in Texas. We have a saying, the bigger the bow, the better the mama. And she had big O bows. And um, well, my um, youngest daughter, she couldn't handle it. It was a sensory issue. She couldn't handle um, that anything that had sequins or any kind of embroidery. It, if it touched her skin, it would, it hurt. It was very uncomfortable for her. So I could force that. So she looked cute and make her miserable or I could unpack that baggage that my little girl had to be in all the cute trendy outfits and put her in a little bit plainer clothes so that she was comfortable. And I was still a good mom, had to redefine what made a good mom, which is also kind of a first world problem that goes back to that thing we talked about earlier <laughs> with what we think is priority. Um, but that was my culture, right? The, the cute outfits, the big bows, that's what made me a good mom. And then you add on top of that, 
oh, well, I'll see all the pictures of your biological daughter and how cute she was dressed. So your adopted daughter didn't get that in that comparison. And I had to let that go. And I had to know, you can compare all you want to. I know that I would have dressed her exactly the same, but it's not good for her because she can't handle it. And not worry about what people were saying or thinking or whatever. Um, and so I think that's a big bag that adoptive parents have to unpack is what other people say and think. Because until you've walked it, um, and that's true of anything in life, right? Until you've walked it, you don't really know, um, which is part of why I'm so transparent with our story. Because I think when people don't share, people don't know. And so I want people to understand why we did what we did, why we do what we do now. Um, you know, it's, there's no, I don't want there to be shame for my kids. I don't want there to be, you know, they are the way they are because of choices they didn't make. And I'm proud when they overcome their obstacles. Um, and I want them to be celebrated when they reach a milestone that for some would still see as a failure. Okay, but for your child to reach what you see as a failure for your child, my child had to bust their rear to get there. So if you don't know their story, you don't know that that's a massive success. I have a daughter that's at church camp right now. So it's a sleepaway camp. Three years ago, I would have never dreamed we could send her to a sleepaway camp ever. So what's a typical childhood experience for some, like we are celebrating that she's there. Now she's called me every night, but that's okay. I'll gladly take that phone call and reassure her she's okay because she's there. And we're going to celebrate that. We're not going to be upset that she had to call every night. We're going to celebrate that she's there and she's remained there, stay there. And that excellent stay there and not call and be okay. And that was the level of success. So what, um, the, the, uh, you know, I'm, uh, me and my wife haven't got any kids, right? So, right. I, I, and I, uh, so I, I don't consider myself, a, you know, I, I don't, I know, I have no lived experience of this. So all this stuff is, makes a lot of sense, but it is all, it's all completely new to me. Um, but as she's saying that, it's not all completely new because I can, I can see this in certain members of our family. Uh, sure. Uh, and uh, and their kids, and and I am t I am thinking about certain certain parents and certain kids, and different parents and, and seeing how they're all different and some stuff going on, some stuff going on at the moment. Um, where expectations are not being, expectations are not being met. Sure. Uh, the, the only question I can ask is, because I'm sure that most people, adoptive parents listening to this show, ah. um, are keen to unpack more baggage. Definitely. Uh, how do you do it? I mean, what? 
Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, we've talked before, I'm definitely um, a woman of faith. So I definitely rely much on that. Um, I, I believe, I mean, God is a huge part of my story. Um, him uh, revealing things to me and walking me through those things. Um, I have had a mentor almost my whole life. I, I believe very strongly in finding somebody a little bit further on the journey than you and learning from them. So I, I encourage um, even our adoptive parents, you know, find somebody a little bit further on the journey than you and, and ask them to go to coffee, ask them to um, text, call, whatever. Because um, I think one of the biggest things in anything in life um, in the adoption journey is no different, just, just to know you're not alone. You know, my husband and I walked our adoption journey alone for the first many years. And... Um, I don't think there's anything worse than being alone in it. And so find somebody to walk with you and that you can hear the baggage you need to unpack from and not be offended when they tell you, Hey, you know, that, you know, that correction you gave your kid, that was really more about you than it was about them. What if, what if it went more like this? Yeah. I, I the thing that, pops into my head after asking that question is the fact that if um I've got, I've got a great analogy um so you know how how, how do you uh, how do you stop your car from speeding right so you're going down the highway and you you see um uh, a, 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 a cop um with a, uh, a uh-huh. one, right how, how do you how do you stop you kind of like you, you kind of like you notice it and you just lift your foot off the accelerator, and I, if I if, if I get if if this, I've heard that they're watching, they're watching for the brakes to go on because if you brake, the front of your car goes uh-huh. down, Dip. mm-hmm. dips, dips. That's the right word. So you don't do that because then they know that they had you, and then they're going to say, well, you know, so you don't dip it. You've got to take your foot off the accelerator. So it's all about knowing. There is no how. It's just like, you know, you know, when you know, you kind of, you know, when you know, and if, if you're going down, you know, if you're going through like, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? You, you'll know. And um, the other thing is that, so you just take your foot off the accelerator. It, 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 you know, you notice something and you take the foot off the accelerator. You notice something about your parenting. You are aware of something becomes apparent to you in your own behavior. And you take and, and you change the behavior. It's it's about it's about spotting it, like you spot the police. But you yep. can't really write a book about that, can you? You can't say. You just need to spot it. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're not you're not going to. We 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 live in this world where it is you know, sixteen ways to raise your adoptive child. Five five ways to get your. Um, uh, get your foster kid to go to sleep when they want to. 16 ways right. to lose uh, two pounds, uh, 12 pounds before you get into your, into your, this is for me, right? Before you get into your swimming trunks to go to the swimming pool. Um, right. We live in this world where, um, you know, you. I used to feel just like you about X until I discovered why. I would tell you the 15 secrets to why 
if you pay me $999 and you know that that's it and people have to kind of make it into a thing a, a series of steps a, a series of secrets it's just about noticing but yeah. you, can't, you can't sell a book about noticing you know can you imagine it just notice uh, watch what you're doing <laughs> Uh, catch yourself catch yourself making some mistakes um yeah. don't don't do do less of those it's the business one so my favorite one on this is the business book but right there's only so there's only one secret to success in business uh try lots of things see what works do more yeah. of that see what doesn't work do less of that and keep going yeah. that's that it. is a perfect analogy for adoptive parenting because if anybody ever tells you they have the secret to raising adoptive kids, any kids, but especially kids from hard places, they're lying to you. As a parent of nine, I can tell you there is no secret to raising kids other than do more of what works and less of what doesn't because everyone is different. I have never been able to parent not one of my children the same way I parented another and I have nine of them. So it, that's it. Like you have so, to notice. So we're not going to do another podcast recording next week called uh, 11 secrets to raising perfectly happy adopted children so if you look if you're waiting if you're waiting for that listeners yeah then i'm sorry we can we cannot we we're not we going to tell you lies so we're exactly. not we're not going to tell you lies and we're not going to make you feel inferior so you have to buy our course That's um, right. we're, we're not going to we're not going to spot your uncertainty this is what people do they spot our uncertainty, they spot our impatience, mm -hmm. and they say, I know what you want, and I know how you can get it faster. You just have to pay, pay me. I know something that you don't. Pay me, and I'll tell you. That is the whole self-improvement stuff, and it's wrong. It is wrong. Yeah, no. And I think you hit it on the, the nail on the head. And this is something I tell my adoptive parents that I, I work with all the time. Like of all the parents in the world, God picked you. So, and I have to tell myself this all the time too. Of all the parents in the world, God picked me. So when I think I don't have what it takes to parent this child, that's just a lie. I do. It just means I have to maybe pull it from my toes. I mean, it may feel like I don't in the moment, but I do. It just may be harder than I wanted it to be. It may be harder than I thought it would be, but I have what it takes. Um, it, it just, I just have to do it. I just have to, you know, um, get the good old grit going and, and do it because you have what it takes. Um, and, and nobody can tell you how to parent your child. Um, I think that's one of the things that frustrates me the most. Counselors that I've been to, I mean, anybody, fill in the blank with whatever noun you want to put in there. Um, you can advise me. And you can give me advice, you can give me tips, you can give me strategies, but nobody can tell me how to parent my kids except me and God. That's it. And my husband, we can talk about it and do it together, but nobody knows my child. Nobody knows my home better than me. And so advise me, help me, but don't tell me how to parent my kid. Um, and that's something I believe wholeheartedly in when I talk to adoptive parents, like, let me help you brainstorm. Let's, let's sit down together and brainstorm strategies. Let's brainstorm charts whatever you need but I can't tell you how to parent your kid because you have that kid so you can parent them and only you know what's going to work for them and if that doesn't work come back and let's try something else so I think that's a that's a huge piece of this 
I'm going to bust. I'm going to jump in with another myth here. Um, yes, uh, do it. That relates to this sort of stuff that I see. Um, it's uh, don't wish life was easier. Wish you were better. Mm. Yeah. No. So um, that is just going to erupt. I mean, uh, we're doing this on. We're recording this on on Zoom, listeners, and uh, Holly Ann's face when I said that was a picture um yeah uh, sorry you couldn't see oh it was a picture it was like what and I thought oh well maybe Holly Ann that isn't a piece of uh, baggage that Holly Ann needs to 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 unpick uh, to unpack but I'm going to share it just in case anybody else is doing that yeah, right for sure. so don't wish don't wish life was easier just wish you were better that is going to um that is that is going to that sort of thought is bound to make the negative voice turn the turn the volume dial on on the negative voice in your head um, by about tenfold. Okay, so don't don't wish you yeah wish you were better. That is it's a family show, so I'm not going to swear. But that's not the truth, guys. That's right. not the truth. Absolutely oh, not. And uh, whilst we're talking about that, right? Um, uh, talking about volume i've seen lots of stuff i've tried this a lot of time is to switch off the voice in my head switch switch off the inner critic okay i've, yeah. I've seen a lot of and i've tried an awful lot of stuff on that and um, so what i found is that that's actually impossible for me maybe <laughs> some people can do it right okay. uh, we, I cannot. I, I have not figured a way to switch off the, in the, the yes. switch off the, the voice in my head. However, I have found it a lot easier to ignore it. So it becomes an opinion that I no longer value. That yes. I'm not. I'm not saying that I do that all the time, but right. when I laugh at my own stuff when I can laugh at the rubbish in my head, that's when I know that I'm making progress. When I can laugh at myself, I know I'm making progress. Yeah. That's why I always tell everybody, you know, they're like, how old are you? Oh, I'm sorry, it's rude to ask. I'm like, oh no, I'm proud of my age because with age comes wisdom. And that is one of the best things about age that I love. I don't, I don't listen to the voice in my head nearly as much as I used to. I, I can walk in confidence and tell that voice, you know, whatever, shut up. When I used to could not do that. So I'm with you there, Simon, for sure. So I agree. Have you got any other baggage that you'd like to unpack? You know, um, I think the only thing that I would share with our listeners is that as, um, you know, when you come home from a trip and you unpack and you put your suitcases away, and then the next time you um, go on a trip, you pull that um, luggage out and you, you, go into that pocket and you find maybe some sand if you've gone to the beach or maybe that old ticket stuck in there. Um, that's kind of true if we're talking about that analogy of unpacking our bags. And, um, you know, I shared with you nine, I'm nine years in with my youngest daughter and, and just this week, just some things bubbled to the surface. And so don't be surprised when some things come up that, uh, that you didn't remember or realize. Um, and I think along that goes right along with what you just said, your little um, phrase that kind of made my face go funky was, you know, when that happens, um, give yourself grace. 
you know, as our children grow, um, one thing I have learned, and I, I've, I've started trying to do some research on this, and there's a little bit out there, but not a ton. You know, as our, as our children grow, they go through different developmental stages. And so that also means as they process their adoption, and I think you've actually hit on this some in your story, um, maybe not as, they, as you agree, but once as an adult, like they can process that in a different way. So at two, they just understand they didn't grow in mommy's belly, they grew in another woman's belly. You know, at four, they kind of understand a little bit more of, okay, well, why didn't I grow in your belly? Like there, there's a reason maybe. And at nine, between eight and nine, like you really see it hit, there was something that happened. Like there's maybe an, a negative reaction to that. And then again, at puberty, when they're looking for their identity, there can be another evolution there. And not for all children, obviously. This isn't a, again, we can't say any all for anybody. But we've seen that with our kids. Well, sometimes as they process that grief, it brings something up in you too. So even if you adopt a baby, like I did at two days old, you may be unpacking some baggage you didn't know was there when they go through puberty at 13, 14, 15. And just to to go ahead and unpack that and not beat yourself up because you didn't process it when they were two days old and you brought them home from the hospital. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking about it and I'm like, why didn't I know? Why didn't I have that? And if you think about a suitcase, you can't, you can't wash the underwear on the bottom until you take the shirts and the shorts off the top. And so, you know, we're just humans. We adopted parents were just human and we got to give ourselves some grace, just like you were saying. And I think sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves to be perfect. And um, we have the expectations of our kids to be perfect and for us to be perfect. And we just got to give ourselves some grace. I did so much wrong with my first kids. So we, having nine kids, one of the cool things is you kind of get some redos because like I learned with my first ones and we have what we call the final four because they're all my youngest four are within four years of each other so right now they're eight nine ten and eleven and so I'll call them the final four well I'm doing things a lot different with them because I learned a lot and I could beat myself up because I did it wrong with the with those oldest four but instead I just apologized and I just tell them hey I didn't know I did the best I know what I can tell you is everything I did I did in love and everything I did I did because I thought it was in your best interest and so when I missed it, I missed it because I didn't know. And I'm so sorry. And if I could go back and do it, I could. Um, and some of my kids are able to accept that and some of them aren't, but it's all I've got to offer. That's it. I can't go back in time and change it. If I could, I would. If I could birth all of my children, I'd birth all of my children. Like, that I can't, that I don't have that power. And so just giving ourselves that grace to know I did the best I could with everything I had. And I can do different now because I know different now. And so do the best I can today with what I have today and keep learning and keep growing and do better tomorrow than I did today and be okay with that and be okay with yesterday because I could only do yesterday with what I had yesterday. So that's really, um, and that even ties into what you said about the oxygen mask, you know, um, and it's so funny because when I was a young person, I did not understand that every time they would say that in an airplane, I'm like, why in the world would I not put that on the person beside me first? That's so selfish. Okay. Maybe it wasn't the smartest bulb in the bunch, but it took me being an adult to realize duh, holy in, if you don't put it on yourself, you're passed out and you can't put it on the person beside you. Um, so, which is self-care, which is a whole other topic, um, that, you know, we could go off on, but same thing, you know, just grace, 
giving yourself that um, that measure of grace and understanding that you're doing the best you can. So unpack your baggage when you're aware and give yourself grace when you realize maybe you should have unpacked it quicker and you didn't and do the best you can for today and do better tomorrow. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. Thank you very much, Liam. That's been, um, that's been, that's been great. Uh, I've been, it's been a really different episode uh, and in a great way. Uh, I'm looking for more, I'm looking for more genius. And uh, I think we've definitely got a genius episode here and I hope you agree, listeners. Thank you very much for sharing that. Well, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. I wasn't exactly sure what direction to go. So uh, I'm glad it, I'm glad it was a direction you liked. So Yeah. And I think, funny enough, it kind of reflects the the rest of what you said. You know, we do, the, the rest of the episodes, a lot of the episodes have been about the kids. And this mm. is an episode about parents. And, yeah. and that kind of reflects. So, yeah. Yeah. True. It's true. Thank you very well, good. much. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody. Sure. And uh, see you all soon.